Hi, it's Dave. Welcome. Today, I'm joined by Emmett Peppers. We've got a lot to talk about. There's been a ton of stuff going on with um, Twitter, Elon Musk, and Tesla in the news this past couple of weeks. Uh, Emmett, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Uh, just Twitter is very active lately, and uh, Elon especially has been much more active, which I like to see. I'm not sure everyone likes to see that, but I certainly do. And um, he just confirmed it on on Twitter, even that there's been a real uptick in in uh, activity since the deal took happened. So yeah, things are changing and starting to change fast. There it seems like yeah. Um, so yeah, I want to dive into some of the stuff going on on Twitter with Elon, and I want to kind of bring it back to the bigger picture. Also, um, mm -hmm. if we look back, let's say five or ten years from now, what does this any does anything matter? Um, also, are there any additional risks that have increased with Elon's Twitter involvement um, to, let's say, Tesla, just Tesla shareholders, or even to Elon himself? So um, a lot of different things that I want to talk about. And then we'll go ahead, segue into um, Tesla's um, kind of current situation with the stock price, the market, um, any catalysts and risks ahead, and just wanted to hear your, your feedback. So let's go first to Twitter here. Um, judging on some of your tweets, it seems like you're pretty optimistic, pretty bullish on Twitter and Elon's involvement. Can you kind of share your perspective on why you see it that way? Yeah, I mean, in in that Ron Barron interview, even I think he alluded to that, you know, once Twitter's on the right track, it doesn't take as much work to manage, he thinks, versus SpaceX and Tesla. He'll still continue running Tesla and SpaceX, but he thinks once he gets Twitter on the right track, it's not going to be as a time suck as much for him as everyone seems to anticipate. Um, but Twitter is such an incredible tool, so much, so useful for years, me and investor friends of mine who I talked to were always like, wow, Twitter is so useful. And, you know, I, if they charged a lot of people would pay for it, they just, I, you know, it seems like the stock should be worth something uh -huh. because it provides such a useful service, but somehow they just can't make money or they don't know how to monetize. And it's always been like this conundrum. Like here we have this very useful for some people, very, very useful tool. Um, and I use it for like information gathering and separating signal from noise and, in the investing world and other things, how whatever, but uh, yeah. and then you have this business. It's supposed to be a business, and it's not making money. And now you have Elon, the greatest entrepreneur of our time, taking it over. You know, the, the greatest engineering mind of our time, the greatest product creator of our time. I would say um, so. There's just some. The recipe here is for some really incredible thing to be created from Twitter here. I mean. I'm super excited. Are you excited for the next like six, six, six months a year from now? I mean, don't you think there's going to be some really incredible innovations going on? What do you think yeah. Today? Yeah. So, I mean, I have, I have mixed feelings about this. Um, so <laughs> on one side, I see the potential. I see the amazing kind of progress, the ideas Elon has. I think he's on the right track. I mean, a lot of his thoughts on verification, on monetization for creators, on video, um, notes, there's a lot of great ideas. I think, um, he knows what he's doing. I think it's going to be um, a, gr a much better service six months from now. Um, and so on one side, I'm like, I'm very optimistic and hopeful on that side. But on the flip side, there seems to be um, a lot of um, risk. And I would say resistance. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay, so here, here's one of my theories is I don't think Elon is that political of a guy, but I think he's perceived as being very political from a lot of people, okay? So like, like perhaps you and I, we both know after following him for so many years that he actually, he looks at politics very pr pragmatically Mm -hmm. And he has an engineering mind. He's trying to solve problems, right? And so whether it's war or politics or whether it's, you know, a Tesla vehicle or AI or SpaceX, it's all engineering. It's all like, you know, problem solution. And <clears throat> when he talks about politics, he's not getting into it with very deep, per se, um, political, opinionated, subjective views, right? That's not his his ultimate goal. He's just trying to solve a problem, right? But I yeah. think politics has become so extreme and so divided and it's kind of um, eaten up a whole segment of 
kind of the minds of society where it's not just politics, it's, it's um, combined with religion, it's combined with um, uh, everything controversial put together. And mm-hmm. it's no longer, it's, no, it's not a pragmatic field. You know, that, that's like long gone in America. It's very, very um, opinionated, subjective, and emotional. Um, emotional. And it's not what Elon is, there's, there's no crossover between, you know, like Elon's approach and, and politics in, in modern day, right? He's not like, uh, uh, he's not the most, probably he's not the most empathetic, em, 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 you know, empathetic guy or great with relationships of personal relationships. You know, there was that interview years ago where he said like, I don't know how many hours I'm supposed to give to a girlfriend. What, like 50 hours, 20 hours a week? Is that about right? You know, and he was like, very serious. He wasn't like, joking. And I was like, yeah, oh. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, he's not the, he's, he's, you know, Asperger, he's, uh, he's a guy, he's, he's an Asperger's guy and he's not, so politics and getting involved, I think like you're sort of alluding to maybe sort of, you have to be able to relate to people or get them to relate to you and your ideas by tending to their emotions or something. Yeah. Well, I think the, the big kind of issue is, um, there is a large segment of, society that views Elon as very political, like they misunderstand yeah. his motives and where he's coming from. And he's very, his action, some of his actions and his tweets and how he's aligning himself at different times, they are very, very triggering to mm-hmm. a certain segment of society. And that segment of society, um, yes, it does have, you know, different, let's say, you know, power, let's say with advertising, et cetera, like, you know, I'm getting pulled from Twitter, but also once he gets more into the political realm and he's misunderstood, you've, you're opening yourself to a whole world of, of unstable kind of personal attacks or just attacks on everything. Yeah. Well, it's the mentally unstable too, the psychos who really are out there who have lost their, you know, st- mental stability. And yeah. now they're all triggered by this person who they perceive as this crazy threat to them where that's not the intent and that's not, you know, what Elon's trying to do. And it's completely misunderstanding, but this is, um, I mean, this is, this could be the beginning of something really, really just, I don't know. I mean, I, and that's where I say there's two things going on on one side, Twitter, the engineering, the product, you know, everything that's like the ideas, the problem solution, the, the efficiency, you know, everything is like, oh my gosh, like he's doing the, yeah. the, perhaps one of the greatest turnaround stories, right, ever with a company of Twitter size in a field that has so much significance. So on that side, I'm excited, but on this flip side, I'm like, wow, like looking at it from the perspective of some people who are super triggered, like this is really, really heated. And it just seems yeah. like, I don't know where it's going to head. I mean, what are your thoughts on all yeah. this? Yeah, that is, um, th- that's, I'm not going to say it's a risk or a danger, but I would say that's sort of the side to grapple with, you know, how to, you know, is it good or bad? Um, he's going to be talked about much more, you know, is like Tesla, Tesla was drug, you know, it got dragged through the mud so much by short sellers and so many people for so many years and it made it more famous, more well-known, you know, a lot of the reports were false and it was just like negative reporting, but it made it a kitchen table conversation, um, much more frequently. And I think a lot of people are smarter than the press or media journalists give them credit to be, you know, and they can think about things more intuitively or with common sense and not be on the, you know, 10% far right or far left of an issue or whatever, you know? Um, So I think, you know, I'm just trying to think of a silver lining possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe it brings him to the dinner table conversation much more frequently and, there's some more common ground by regular individual people because of that versus people. I, I I think the risk is like, do people overall get persuaded by the media or not? You know, and if they do, then that's a big potential no, no for him. But I, I have faith that people are coming to their senses and realizing like, uh, this headline, I can't believe it. I have to have my own opinion, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I, I think there's some people that just react triggered by these headlines and, 
and those are the vocal people you see. But I think the yeah. 80 to 90 percent of people that are relatively, you know, sane or, you know, just not tr easily triggered look into things a little bit more before they have judgment. They suspend their judgment until they have more information. I don't know. I'm sure. just sure. trying to be, you know, optimistic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think overall, like I admire his, his boldness. I admire his kind of mission driven priorities and values. And I ultimately think like he's doing the right thing. Um, mm. And the, the thing is, which is interesting, I think though, his, the risk to him personally, his personal safety risk has just oh, sky sure. skyrocketed, right? Yeah. And, um, but when we look at this in the bigger picture, he he's I think he's either going to come out of this as just impacting society in a whole nother realm, right? Social media and politics and just, yeah. just everything that it's like he's double double downing once again. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. It's right when you th you thought like he's he's reached his limit. He he, it's more than a double down. It's like triple down or whatever. But yeah. it um, yeah. He, he, if he comes out of this, and I think he he will. I I think the odds are for him. He'll come out of this. He'll be successful. It'll come. It'll go down as one of the craziest turnaround stories. He'll leave a much bigger impact on society and history than he than he would have if he just did Tesla and SpaceX. And I think it's going to be an amazing thing. But there's always the other side, the risk where this does just increase his personal safety to the to the max and. Yeah. I don't know, you know, it, before he, that was a concern, but now it's like, you know, heightened a lot. He, I think he must realize that. I mean, he's referenced like half jokingly, like, you know, a lot of people want me dead now or whatever, but yeah. uh, do you think that he, you know, he can see around corners in the future better than anyone, arguably. And, you know, everything he says, I almost think of at this point, almost everything he says, I almost accept as like fact and work backwards from it until I can prove him wrong versus most people when they try to predict something or say something I'm like, well, let me see if I can help predict or come to the same conclusion you did. You know, it's like with Elon, it's almost the opposite where it's like, I, I assume he's right almost all the time. And, and that sounds like I'm gullible or something, but it's just been happening over time and again, like forever yeah, yeah. happening. You know, why wouldn't you, you know, go with that, you know, order of operations with him? So do you think that he's maybe, and he, he wouldn't maybe say it publicly because it would cause alarm bells or whatever, but do you think he sees like just what happened in Brazil, for example, recently, and there was like all these potential riots? I mean, it was tense situation with that po political election being like so close 51 49 i could i was worried i thought there would be like national potential riots or craziness mm -hmm. from that because of just media in general these days and in brazil it seemed like to be a similar polarizing election process there do you think he's worried about the 2024 election especially if it's, if it's trump and biden or something like that like the polarization and how social media and twitter could trigger people even more or cause you know, a crazier divisiveness of the country. And he thinks that he needed to get a hold of this sooner than later to prevent that from happening. Do you think there's something in there with him? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, my gut feeling is Elon doesn't, I mean, he's not really that short-term focused. Like he's doing Twitter because of the bigger, longer-term picture. Yeah. yeah. Like the 10 to 20, 30 year kind of, you know, horizon. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's possibly helpful that, you know, he takes in the reins earlier, tries to get these community notes, these kind of yeah. more accurate information, tries to get, you know, get rid of the bots and the bottom yeah, and um, tries to restore more credibility. But yeah, I, I think like when I look at this, what's going on with Twitter, I look at it as Elon doubling down and cementing his legacy where he, he really is not about his own safety and comfort and mm -hmm. own like lifestyle right <laughs> has, people yeah that's not people don't like him find it hard to believe but he's like yeah. possibly selfless entrepreneur i've ever heard of well i would i would say less than i mean selfless is i guess one way to look at it. i look at it as more he's very focused on these goals and mm -hmm. he's choosing these goals that are you know humanity level goals and he sacrifices everything for those goals, right? And as his wealth and resources have increased, he's actually done what I think very few billionaires do, which is 
you take that responsibility that you ha- that you have with more resources and you actually like increase your risk right and mm-hmm. increase the things you're doing and your exposure and you even lower your 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 safety and your your comfort level and that's where most billionaires like the, it's the opposite you know you increase your safety increase your comfort you know reduce yeah. your stress all that stuff right um, <clears throat> but Elon is doing something that's really really unique and I think yeah. this will go down as, you know, um, yeah, he's cementing his legacy, which is, you know, very, very mission focused, humanity level goals at the sacrifice not, of. Yeah, it is a, I think I agree with you, but it's important to just make the distinction. He's not doing it to cement his legacy. Yeah. It will legacy, but he's doing it because it's the greater good that he believes, I think. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, who knows exactly all the motivations, you know? Um, but yeah, well, from what we can gather, he has these crazy ambitious goals that, that require kind of like immense sacrifice. Right. And mm-hmm. before SpaceX and Tesla or, and Neuralink and Borlink was, were crazy enough goals. And now you've got this another kind of monster yeah. goal. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think another thing that's interesting about this whole Twitter thing is, um, Typically, you would come in as a person who buys a company and you would have kind of, you know, most people are like, oh, let's improve the product 10%, 15%. Let's try to double the valuation in five years of the company. But Elon comes in and he's like, no, no, no. This thing is, this could be a 10x or a 20x or something, you know, much bigger. And yeah. this could be one of the most valuable companies in the world. And he re he completely like c- comes with a clean slate and it shows, I think the level of his ambition where he comes in, not just to maintain, but he comes mm-hmm. into like really just, you know, go for it to max potential. And then he comes in with like the execution yeah, where it's not just hopeful thinking, but he comes in with the engineering, he brings in Tesla engineers, he, whatever, to fires yeah. half the company, just like crazy stuff, but he's yeah. getting it done, right? Like he, he matches that ambition with execution. And um, yeah, I mean, and this is interesting because t- Elon has typically been more on the manufacturing side with Tesla and SpaceX. With mm-hmm. FSD and AI, he's been more in the software, but that's kind of been... I don't think he's like he's giving enough. He's been giving enough credit on the software side recently, and the you know with yeah. Tesla and SpaceX. Yeah, in the past, yeah. yeah. But yeah. what Twitter is doing, it's really showcasing his his software side, right? Mm-hmm. And just the stuff that he's talking about right now, um, with verification, with all these like new plays on the platform, with video and all this stuff, it's he's like reconstructing a whole social media platform and software you know, um, company and, um, he's doing it at a crazy speed. Like it's faster than anyone is comfortable with in Silicon Valley. It's just like crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. It's, it's really interesting stuff though. Yeah. I mean, every week there's like new stuff. (laughs) I feel like it's going to come out on Twitter. I can't wait for this verified thing to happen. That's going to be a game changer getting rid of so many bots. And it's going to be interesting to see all the people resisting it that end up getting it and all, you know, it'll, it's, uh, it, we'll see. I can't wait till they get rid of advertising because I've always thought that the advertising business model today is like the root of so many problems in the world <laughs> in, in media. You know, it's just like, uh, and he's, you know, he wants to get rid of the advertising business model eventually. And uh, I think that'll make it a much better product when, you know, the people using it aren't the product, you know, right now the people yeah. using it are the product and the advertisers are the customers, but eventually it'll be flipped, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Definitely. So, um, I was thinking about what kind of risks to Tesla, the company, um, there might be with Elon's Twitter acquisition. And, um, I'm thinking, um, if something happens to Elon, like, I think it's a different company than it was even five years ago or even two or three years ago. And Mm -hmm. I think Elon has set up the company in a way where there are so many five to 10 year, um, projects that are ready have ready kind of are past the infancy they're they're just on past the critical mass or the event horizon exactly like it just needs to maintain you know it to the finish line and so you got 
4680 cells, you've got kind of next generation manufacturing, you've got the whole FSD AI thing going on, um, you've got the whole Optimus program, you've got so many different parts of the company that even if there is you know, no more leadership from Elon at that level, like it still goes on for five, for five or 10 years, like these, these innovations. Maybe yeah. yeah. I think it was like Steve Jobs and Apple when he, Steve Jobs, you know, passed and mm -hmm. it was like, what's going to happen to Apple? And, you know, they've done very well financially since then, right? They haven't innovated yeah. anything new. All the stuff he put in place have, yeah. they've maximized on. Yeah. I, I think that also is, it gives Elon perhaps more confidence to go into the Twitter acquisition. Um, mm -hmm where he's like, you know, Tesla's in a good, good, good place. Um, even without him, like there's going to be enough leadership across all their different, you know, divisions to push forward and to go. For, I mean, this is a company that's like been going at a certain pace for so many years for almost two decades or something. And so you can't like, it's hard to remove that from the DNA of the company. Right. They, mm -hmm. the, just the pace is a certain pace. Like every company has a pace and yeah. um, Tesla has a certain pace, right? That it's just, it's what everyone's comfortable with. It's what is expected, right? And I don't think you change that pace, you know, um, just because CEO is gone. Um, it's just been too ingrained in the DNA. And that's where, you know, I think the, the risks to Tesla, I think are limited in some ways. Um, you have Elon, but you also have the perception issue of, you know, people linking Elon with Tesla if they, they're triggered yeah. by Elon. But I don't know. I yeah. mean, there's a flip side here. you're saying is, hey, maybe there are people who who are attracted to these values and to what Elon's doing in these other companies, too. Yeah. So, Inter yeah. table conversations, more visibility that way, too. Yeah. 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 I think with Elon, the key man risk is much less today than it was, you know, two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, you know, the key man risk with Elon has gone down. I mean, it's still a risk, you know, you don't want him to leave or something to happen to him, but it wouldn't be the end of Tesla, you know, by any means Tesla's, you know, it, it like you're saying, it's, uh, it's beyond the point of being able to succeed, you know, even if some key people leave, you know, whether, you know, we've seen, uh, Karpathy and other people leave and, it's still, they still, Tesla's still thriving, right? And it's a, it's a group of thousands of incredibly smart engineers and hardworking manufacturing people. And, you know, they're still there, you know, they're going to continue moving forward, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, well, I guess, um, um, keep up or keep updated and discuss further, but what's um, the most exciting kind of new Twitter feature you're most interested or excited about that's been discussed recently? I think the, I mean, the, the most impactful near-term one is the verified accounts. Um, but I think what I'm excited about is the incentives for content creation and how it's going to compete with um, YouTube and uh, TikTok. And they'll have that technology and they'll have a better revenue sharing model than those two platforms. And I think Elon can do it. And I'm excited about the better and better content that will show up, you know, more and more creators on, on Twitter, you know, we'll be, I think your channel and everyone's YouTube channel that's follows Tesla and that's an Elon yeah. fanatic, especially is going to end up converting their content to Twitter. And maybe it'll be at the same time for a while, for a while you'll, yeah publish it at the same time on, you know, YouTube as well as some Twitter, you know, thing. And, and eventually it'll just move to all Twitter maybe, you know? So I think, um, that seems inevitable to me, you know, and that's exciting. Just everything's going to transition to Twitter in terms of content creation with, with social media and, and, and these YouTube creators, especially what, what yeah. are you, what are you excited about? What do you think, um, is a, is a, a feature coming that, uh, sort of excites you as something to really look forward to. Yeah, I think um, um, I think there's something about let's say the network effects of Twitter, where um, if, for example, if usage goes down by half, 
Twitter's mm-hmm. excitement doesn't go down by half. It actually goes down a lot more than that, just because there's all these inner the connections between people. It's it's exponential in its in yeah. its um, impact to the network effects. And so, if Twitter actually grows double in size in terms of people or interactions, number of people tweet and re- reply, it doesn't get doubly interesting. Actually, is more is is much greater than that um, because mm-hmm. of the, the 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 relationship connections, and so that's going to be, I think, really fascinating. Because if Elon really can pull off some of these things, where Twitter, let's say, he does pull off, it becomes the most accurate, whatever that means, place to get information. Let's say yeah. he pulls off creator, you know, monetization, um, video, um, all this stuff, and and usage increases, then Twitter is going to be like, it's going to be unrecognizable. In like, it's going to be that much more um, interesting and valuable. And people will, I mean, yeah, it's going to be um, very shocking, I think, to a lot of people. And so, yeah, um, I think he can do it. I mean, if anyone can do it, it's, it's, it's Elon, you know. Um, That's right. But I would love to to have Twitter become so successful. It really kind of put some checks on uh, Google and Facebook. Um, mm. I just don't, yeah, Google and Facebook, um, they're just like, and even Apple to some extent, but um, they, they're they protecting their, their gardens, right? So you have YouTube and Google search. And mm-hmm. I don't particularly like how Google is monitoring and kind of impacting the search results to, mm-hmm. I think they're overdoing it. And I just notice more and more as I do certain searches, like I'm mm. not, I'm like, huh, this is so fishy. Like the results, you know, it's just, it's not a, objective anymore. Like, you know, this side and this side there, I could see the slant of other biases. And, um, yeah, I think, I think the past few years with, with, with the whole pandemic really just, Screwed you know, things up. yeah, really showed the, the true colors of some companies. And that's where I'm like, yeah, if Twitter can actually become, let's say double the size, but five times or 10 times as interesting and continue to grow and challenge, you know, YouTube, challenge Google search, challenge Facebook, Instagram, right. For social media. Yeah. I think Twitter should go into messaging big, right. Um, uh, challenge WhatsApp and all this stuff, then, then yeah, it's gotta, I think that's interesting. That is impactful for the future. Um, yeah. Like the baseline is basically the Chinese app. Is that Weibo? Is that the one that's like the everything app in China? Is that, I think so. And, uh, I think that's like the baseline. WeChat or yeah. 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 And that's going to be like the baseline Elon's reference. Like we're going to just copy everything they've done and do it. What execute well and do other stuff too, you know? And I think they have, that seems to be a tremendous service in China, like the everything app almost, you could do so many different things and everyone's using it. And so, yeah, there's a, there's an outline and there's already someone that's done this. And so I think it's going to be, if he gets past the polarization aspect or the, of the press and all that, I think it's, it's, I think from a technological standpoint, it's easier to execute than, than probably some people realize is my guess. I'm not a software engineer, but yeah. It's been done in China. I don't, you know, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another interesting thing is like, it's interesting how Elon, he's just doing his own thing, right? It's just like asking people, so what can, what can we do better on Twitter? Like, how does YouTube work? You know, <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> all this stuff. And it's like, it's so funny because the typical CEO is not going to dare to tweet stuff like that, right? Um, yeah. But it's for, for Elon, he's just, it's more, it's so straightforward and simple, like, and clear. It's like you use the medium to like get feedback and fix the problems. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's interesting how like past Twitter CEOs, they don't really tweet much, you know, or the board doesn't tweet. It's just like, I don't know. It's just so yeah, risky for them. It seems yeah. too risky and this mindset that like CEOs have to be like non-player characters or whatever, like, you mm-hmm. know, and just have to be very bland and only act a certain way and only be very, you know, but Elon just wants to be himself and it's, it's a brush, breath of fresh air. I'm glad he's like that, but it, it, it rubs a lot of people the wrong way that aren't that see it as a risk, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
Yeah, lots of friends and lots of enemies. Uh, pretty crazy stuff. Um, so uh, going on to markets, um, what's your general take right now? I mean, there's more and more talk of recession. There's more and more talk. Have, have you have you seen a Peru Saxena's uh, recent tweets? <laughs> we had Peru I have, on my channel yeah. a couple times. So his whole he seems yeah. to have, uh, be very bearish at the moment. Yeah. yeah, his whole theory is kind of like the stock market rarely ever bottoms before a recession always happens during the recession so and he thinks yeah. it's coming still so i don't know what's your take are you um what are your concerns yeah. what what are your opportunities that you're looking at or what's your overall viewpoint yeah i mean i'm not an expert on the macro markets i don't think really anyone is i think it's easy to tell a good story of what's happened in the macro markets but i think it's very difficult to try to predict like which way the market's going to go. Um, you know, even the guy Peru thought we had hit the bottoms in June or whatever, you know, and he's, you know, he's changed his mind. That's good. You should be changing your mind, right? If you're kind of being active with it, but I've yeah. taken the role of not trying to flip flop on the macro market lately. It is, it's not like the COVID crash, which I felt like very certain about that macro crash was imminent. This, I, I just don't know if we're at the bottom right now. And I keep thinking that, are we at the bottom right now? Or And sure, I should have thought that and been like, yeah, we we weren't at the bottom, you know, six months ago when I thought that or whatever and and cashed in on, on it by buying puts or whatever. But I didn't, you know, and, and I don't want to be trying to buy puts right now and the market's going down a whole bunch and cash in. I just don't know. I'm uncertain. Um, the Fed, you know, they're do they, they they have uh powell acknowledged in his recent remarks that they may go too far with raising interest rates you know with the inflation indicators they're looking at they're uncertain about the inflation indicators themselves or the future of them they may go they're 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 ten they want to go too far versus too little because yeah. if they go too far and they make that mistake they have the tools they can pump money back in the system, do QE again and, and, and rejuvenate the economy and the stock market or whatever easily. But if they don't go far enough, then the consequences are much more dire if inflation remains for an extended period or grows, gets worse. You know, that's his view. Um, at, at, that's what he expressed. But their statement that they put out, the actual written statement, wasn't, was a, wasn't that dire. It was like, we may, it, it, some new language about like, we may not increase rates as fast as we have in the past. I don't know. I'm most curious about the Fed minutes and probably about two, I think it's three weeks after the Fed announcement, they released the Fed minutes. And so I want to see, did these 12 members of the Fed all agree unanimously again? You know, to me, I feel like you have 12 members to have a discussion and there should be different views and there should be someone disagreeing if it's some, you know, somewhat controversial. Like if, if Kathy Wood and other people are saying like, this is getting crazy. Why are you keep you, there should be someone on this 12 person committee. That's sort of dissenting. It, it would be so fishy to me if it, they're all unanimous once again, like, yeah, 75 basis points was the right move when the fed minutes are released. I mean, do you have any thoughts about that? It's something that's been irking me, like that it's been unanimous every time the last several meetings. Yeah. I mean, it's taking them a while to boost the rates up. And so to me, it makes sense that it's unanimous up until a certain point. I think the next few Fed meetings, you're going to have more disagreement or more diversity of opinion. Um, I would hope. So. Yeah. yeah. So I've been thinking about this one, one idea and it's the, the, the angle of the label labor shortage. Right. And this is, it's such an interesting um, phenomenon where, we're seeing like here in Austin, like almost every store I go to, if I talk to the owner, they're like, oh, we're lacking workers. You know, it's like, oh, we have to shut down early today. We still not enough people working and all that. And um, it's an interesting thing, you know? It happens to me too. All the restaurants. Yeah. Places, I went to like a Walgreens the other day. And there's like one manager rambling around trying to help everyone. And it was like a nightmare of a disaster in terms of customers. There's like 20 people trying to get whatever. And I'm like, I'm never going to Walgreens again after that. <laughs> you know, because it's yeah. like they don't have labor shortage for everything everywhere, not just like restaurants, drugstores, everything. So go yeah. on. Sorry. Yeah. So, um, so the idea is I was doing some research, came across this one kind of interesting angle 
it's like one video this guy doesn't even have much of a viewing or, or a subscriber base like I think it's like a few thousand max and but his, his angle is interesting he's so, so called an he's a, an economist but he was saying okay there's about 4.5 million let's say jobs that are or people from the labor force that are missing right now um pre-covid or so um i forget the exact number but around four or or four and a half and so the question is where did all these where what's going on like where are where where is this coming from right yeah where where is this am i missing in action you know four million whatever plus people and so he's like well you could probably say two million retired early they pulled up Mm -hmm. their retirement baby boomers they were about to retire anyways you know health issues whatever um kind of if you're if you're put next to kind of the possibility of dying right with pandemic then maybe rearrange your life priorities etc you might retire early and then you have uh two million possibly from actually the um uh immigration policies changing um over the past several years where we're just not allowing that many immigrants into the country. Um, and it's a significant amount. Um, and then you have the rest of the 500, you might have some who've died of COVID. There was a million deaths, but most of, but the, the great majority of that was older people above 65, but still you did have some that were below that. Um, and there could be some other reasons and other causes, um, you have more just people, you know, maybe retiring early or just, you know, um, reducing their, their hours. Maybe there's a, a change yeah. of priorities because they're with family so much. And so, you know, um, they want to Maybe they made that. a fortune on crypto and cashed out in time. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of different priorities. Yeah. yeah. NFT, whatever. Um, but if the, if there is a, if the two main causes are a baby boomers retiring or more early and the immigration issue, then there's a possibility that this labor shortage is not temporary. And Mm -hmm. there's a possibility that the baby boomers continue, right, to retire. There isn't enough people to replace from Gen Z and younger people. And then also, if immigration policy doesn't shift and change, you don't have replacement as much. And Mm so you've got this pressure going on with the labor shortage where you just don't have enough people filling you know, the, the lost people in the workforce. So I look at it as you got three things going on. One is with inflation, you've got this supply shock that COVID kind of caused. Um, but mm-hmm. it seems like we're largely kind of getting over that supply shock. Um, yeah. We're getting back to some type of equilibrium. And then you've got this, um, the concept is of this heated economy, kind of people spending a lot, whatever. But even that, I feel like we're kind of over, getting over that, right? There isn't yeah. as much heatedness in the economy anymore. Um, yeah. So now you've got this third issue, which is kind of, you know, low unemployment, you know, but uh, lower people in the in the workforce. Um, that's causing uh, um, wages to, to increase um, and to be robust. But that's also, I think, tricking the Fed in a way to think mm-hmm. that the economy is overheated like the economy mm-hmm. is so strong where mm-hmm. perhaps the economy isn't that strong um mm-hmm. it's just that yeah wages are robust because there's a shrinking workforce and there isn't replacement workers um but that leads me to this thing is there is i think a decent chance that the fed does overdo it they misread the leaves where they're like oh my gosh our economy is so strong we could just up the interest rates as as high as we want to right and yeah people will still be like the unemployment rate will still be low the economy will still be strong but what if the economy yeah. really isn't that strong like what mm-hmm. if there's a, there's a labor dynamic going on that is giving the the wrong impression to the fed right of a strong yeah. economy when yeah so those are some of my kind of things i've been thinking about and yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe if, yeah, yeah, maybe no, I if are, I think it's a good way to put the puzzle together, what you're saying. And yeah, I mean, there's definitely a labor shortage and it's even hard to pay up and get people. I've heard from restaurant owners. They're like, yeah, we're trying as hard as we can to get new waiters. We're trying to pay more, but no one's showing up. It's, it's a, 
there's a real missing amount of uh, workers for probably the reasons you mentioned. But what were you going to yeah. say? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, the hope is maybe the Fed sees the market kind of having problems, maybe or something, uh, maybe panic or something, and liquidity like, or institutions. Yeah, or institutions or just the financial institutions or something where yeah. that causes them to to pause and to rethink or whatever. Yeah. And to and I think you know the the hope is if they can kind of pause and just kind of take a step back. Um, and see kind of the supply shocks also decrease the the so-called yeah. heated economy decrease and they can you know i don't know i i think th there's this another angle if we're missing really 4.5 million let's say people in the workforce and those people aren't coming back or let's say you know baby boomers are retiring more let's say immigration doesn't change and we're not able to to boost our, our, our labor force then there's a chance that, you know, the labor market will be tight. Uh, wages will be very strong. Um, and um, maybe there is some pressure on inflation because of uh, wages increasing. And maybe this whole 2%, maybe that needs to be adjusted a bit, you know? Maybe it'll be a little bit higher than that. Um, and maybe that's good. Maybe that's natural, actually, based upon the demographics. Like, there's a theory with kind of um, interest rates and the Fed is actually demographics play uh, outsized role in kind of like everything. Like there's like arguments where the whole, you know, inflation boom of the seventies was caused by demographics of people having, you know, babies in the fifties and the sixties yeah. coming into the workforce, creating this bigger demand, right? And so kind of like the, yeah. And so these, if you if you buy into the demographics is the key key force, um, there's a chance that yeah I mean um, maybe the economy isn't that strong but maybe wages do go up because of you know uh, a lowering uh, decreasing shrinking labor force um, I don't know yeah so I think it's tricky one, times definitely one kind of fear I thought the Fed has. Is and I, you know, this is just like big picture thinking, like it's so much more complicated. There's so many nuances with every metric and everything. Like you're referencing all these things that this guy pointed out that you listened to about, you know, the, what makes up the labor shortage or whatever. But one kind of cycle of inflation is like, okay, wages go up. That's like wage inflation. Mm -hmm. And that makes people willing to spend more money on higher price things, which encourages more inflation in products, goods, and services because prices can go up and then you can pay higher wages. And it's just like a cycle of inflation, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what they're afraid of. And I don't know if it's as simple as it doesn't in reality, it's probably it probably doesn't work out nearly as simple as that. But I think big picture, that's like the big fear or something. Yeah. So they're trying to like force a recession in or something or force like, so that, you know, people get like, so worried they stop spending money i don't know just i don't know it's just uh it's a it's a complex thing this inflation stuff and yeah and uh it's not so simple you know there's theory and then there's reality and uh the reality of why and how and what to stop it is much different than the theory i think and yeah so it's i mean i i would say that like if your labor force is growing actually you know significantly and wages mm -hmm. increase, then you're going to have upward price pressure, right? Because there's just more people having more money. But yeah. if you if your labor force is actually shrinking, and let's say the mm -hmm. wages are increasing, that doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily mean that prices go up because you have less That's people, true. less people getting a little bit more. Right? Yeah, it's That's it's true. a it's a completely different situation than the '70s, in my opinion, um, demographic wise. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean. There's a there's a chance, a decent chance the Fed could be really really misreading what's going on here, um, like maybe yeah. maybe like yeah there's yeah I and we'll know. never know. This is the tricky part is we'll never there's never there's not like an alternate reality where they pause right now and we can see the results. You know we'll never mm -hmm. know. They might just keep raising into into some deep recession and then in five years inflation ends after the greatest recession we've seen in our, <laughs> of our lifetime and they're like finally we beat it and then and and you would never know that if they just paused right now things would get better or something you know so it's it's tricky yeah, you know i can yeah. see that 
playing out and then them even having a narrative like, remember that time we had zero interest rates and wacky things like SPACs were going all over the place and NFTs were created and all this wacky stuff and people are getting rich off of thin air. Well, we're never going back to that. You have to keep rates at least 3% or that'll start happening again, you know? So I could see that being like in the doctrine of the Fed going forward, like unofficially, like never let rates get too low again because wacky things happen to the economy or something, you know? So I just don't know, like, we'll never know, unfortunately, if they pause now versus continuously raise rates, the difference. It's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it, but I think you're right. They, they, I think they're more than likely making mistakes by going too high right now. Yeah. 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 I, I would, yeah, I think the, the general consensus on by people is like, oh, the Fed's doing the right thing. They should, you know, just beat out inflation, you know, just raise it, raise yeah. it until it's like, yeah. I, I don't know, man. I'd rather just um, take a pause, man. Like, yeah, take, take, a, take a breather, breath. man. Yeah, yeah. For one quarter or two quarters, I don't know. Just like, it's not going to materially, like, I don't know. It's just, it's not going to, it's not going to end the world if they did that, right? I mean, it might yeah. be really good, you know? And I, yeah. Yeah. Um, what are your kind of um, um, thoughts on Tesla uh, going forward? Um, have you, have you, has, have you guys been making any moves with Tesla at all? Like, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, our fun, we haven't, uh, uh, we're still very long, you know, growth tech stocks. Our fund is a very long natured fund. Um, that's, it's very aggressive, you know, and it's meant to be the very aggressive, you know, portion of someone's, uh, diversification, um, and it's not done well. It has not done well this year, you know, it's, uh, but we th think, you know, like this could be the bottom right now or it might not be right. And damned if you do damned, if you don't, right. Like we're not, we're, we're happy if we kind of test litmus test we, we do go by is like, all right, if we had zero positions whatsoever and, and someone, and we're starting up a new fund and someone gave us the cash, that's the net asset value of our fund right now to invest would we put the same positions on that we have right now? And we're pretty confident we would. We're very happy with what we have right now. doesn't mean we're going to, like, if the market keeps going the wrong way, we're in trouble even more. But we think there could be a turnaround. The stocks look forward, right? I mean, the recession is going to happen, but the stocks are going to be looking forward always. So, you know, all you need, like, you just need kind of the, the market. There's been some head fakes with the market rebounding. Um, and it seems like every time the fed comes to have a meeting or talks and it kind of talks it back down but a lot of the highest growth tech stocks still are not below their june lows you know it's, it's, you just don't really know for sure where the bottom is and you don't want to be the at a point where you're trying to like hedge yourself and get out and then all of a sudden that was the bottom and the market's going up 10 or 20 yeah. percent you missed that you know that would be yeah. terrible right and people aren't my view is our fund is not to try to time those bottoms like that and you know because that's just that's a, a very you could really shoot yourself in the foot if you miss it when the fun when the fun when things go back and we're very heavily exposed to tesla that's by far that's our highest exposure name mm -hmm. the majority of our fund is exposure to tesla um through a variety of of things mostly long-term options and such but uh mm -hmm. it's a it, you know I don't put more than X, I didn't put more than X percent of my wealth into that because I have most of my wealth in Tesla shares, you know, and mm -hmm. it was a good, good for me to do that because if I didn't create this fund, maybe I would have been gambling my whole wealth on these long-term options and I'd be like in much more trouble, you know? So, um, it's, uh, it, it's tough, you know, Tesla could get cut in half from here. If the whole market's getting cut in half, if all the growth tech stocks are getting cut in half again with, you know, I think Apple had a PE of like, 10 or 15, like in 2008 or 10 or something, I was looking at some charts, like the PE can get ridiculously low, even though it's a high growth stock, just because the market can be irrational longer than you can stay solvent or whatever the saying is, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, you just don't know. And, uh, but this could be the deal of a lifetime right now too, right? It's just, it's so uncertain. Um, but it's much more comfortable to own shares and to be playing with the Tesla options right, <laughs> right now, I'd say for sure. <laughs> Yeah. 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 How about, how's, how's it going for you? Have you been dabbling in yeah. the uh, Tesla options much or you don't? No, no, just um, holding just, yeah, I haven't really made many moves at all this year, barely almost anything. Um, just holding, you know, 
Tesla shares. Um, and I, I was thinking about the other day, I'm like, <clears throat> um, it's actually like when I, when I look at it, it's actually very, um, um, very kind of calm and peaceful in some ways, because if you look at Tesla three years ago, you know, we're 2022. So, you know, in April, 20, April, 2019, I guess that was three and a half years ago, but you know, Tesla was, was below $200, I think like pre-split. Yeah. And it was so, low 200 even after the Cybertruck unveil in like, what was that? November, 2019 or October, 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Something Yeah, around there. So if you fast forward three, three and a half years, you, we've had a five to one split and a three to one split. So we, we've gone 15 X yeah. right from yeah. just three to three and a half years ago. That's yeah. actually fantastic. Right. If you were yeah. invested at that time. Right. So yeah. the only, the, the pain comes from those who let's say didn't get in earlier. Right. And maybe got in higher than the current stock price. Right. Yeah. Um, that's always a difficult quite, situation. Well, like now the market cap and now it's, yeah. you know, six, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's where, like, I always t take this attitude, like the appreciation that you've, that you've had in the past, um, from like getting in at a, at a low price, that's just cushion. That's cushion to, to, you know, weather the volatility later on. Right. It's, it's just, you've, you've earned the, 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 yeah, it's just, it's just, it makes the, the volatility ride softer basically. Right. Um, sure. yeah, yeah. Cause you got it 15 times earlier or, you know, then, um, so that's, I kind of look at it like that. Um, yeah, you know, sure. Tesla's gone down, uh, from its all times, all time highs, but I'm not really looking at that as that important, the all time highs yeah. it, to me, yeah. it's like what is in Tesla's pipeline. Um, it's one of the reasons why I'm kind of like with all the volatility, I've been just more focused on like, uh, the AI tech and FSD tech yeah. and what's what going on for the next three to five years with this stuff. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like what, like more less on the, cause on the stock price and the markets, it just seems so opinionated and subjective. And there's so many variables that you're not in control of, but yeah, what is like the market? Yeah. That's what's yeah, been driving exactly. this lately. Yeah. Yeah. But what is Tesla, the company really in control of? Right. They're not in control of interest rates or market or sentiment or anything, you know, yeah. they're in control of their own products, their own R and D and their, you know, the, the decisions they're making. I think that's kind of like the area I'm most interested in, uh, yeah. because that's going to determine their valuation five or 10 years down the road. Um, yeah. so, um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's actually, this year has been actually pretty chill, you know, just, it reminds um, me of, uh, yeah, it's been, I am the same boat of, as you when I, when I step away from my fund and think of my personal yeah. stock and stuff, I'm in the same boat. It's like, I have two minds about it, you know? Um, and with the stock and, and the business are two separate things, everything you, like, I like to focus on the business, like you're saying, and try to make sure the business is healthy and, and new cool products are being created and value and the customer demand is still great and all that stuff. And they're ahead of the other businesses in terms of the product and experience. And I, they, they're hitting on all cylinders for that with me, you know, mm -hmm. um, but the stock is a very different animal and that's, you know, like we saw from 2014 to 2019, the business was beating expectations in a lot of ways. They were still mm -hmm. losing money, but they were, you know, valued as a startup growth company, it's rightly so, because they were losing money, trying to lose less money and stuff, getting new products out. But the business every they, every year they were like their new product was amazing their demand was harder they couldn't build enough blah, blah, blah. all the things on the business lined up and eventually you know it popped you know 15x since even despite the macro market since 2019 mm -hmm. i think it, it was up like 20 or 30x at the max for mm -hmm. the high versus yeah. the lows of 2019 right so it'll happen again you know the longer we kind of the stock stays where it is it could be another five years who knows you know but at some point it'll the stock will react to the business doing better and better and better than everyone expects each year going forward i think you know yeah yeah i mean as long as they have the the products the growth you know the innovation they're delivering value at a 
increased pace, you know, then, yeah, yeah it should. And that's what we follow. can monitor. That's what yeah. we can study and monitor with the help of your research and everyone else on YouTube and our, you know, so we're monitoring all that. And we all know sooner or later, the stock will get to where it's going to go, you know, based on the business succeeding, you know, beyond our expect, you know, as well as we have very high expectations, but most people's expectations will be way beyond their expectations. Yeah. Do you see any um, kind of catalysts or risks in the next, you know, three to six months for Tesla? I mean, <clears throat> my biggest risk with Tesla is China um, for the next six to 12 months in particular. I, I think once Giga Berlin and, and, and Giga Austin get thoroughly ramped up, I think it's a much, much less, it'll still be a risk, but it's not like as big of a risk as it is now. And there's two things with China. There's the Chinese economy. And I'm not sure who really knows Matt and I in our channel are trying to search out some like Chinese, um, economic specialists that live in China on the ground and also understand Tesla that we can like mm. talk to. Um, but it seems fine. It's, it, proven to be hard. A lot of people living in China don't, you know, it's, there's a lot of yeah. sensitivity about like talking about whatever the government policies or China economy and all that. So what's going on on the ground in China with its economy? That's the one risk, right? Is it going to affect the demand for durable goods in such a way that Tesla's cars cannot, they can't sell a million plus of cars there or whatever they're probably aiming for with this new capacity, you know? Um, that's the one, one thing. And we've already sort of gotten hints of fear of that with this recent, you know, miss on the quarter, you know, I don't know how, how much that was because of that or not, but there's clearly some kind of recession going on in the Chinese economy in my mind. I just don't know how big of it is. And there's a zero COVID policy, which is, helping to trigger the recession and then the new government. And, and then the second thing, which kind of bleeds into the second risk with China is the government because the, the president Xi, his new Chinese, you know, um, uh, government CCP officials, like the top seven are all like loyalists completely to him. And it seems like the economy is not priority number one or priority number two. Now it's like priority three. And one is like, keeping everyone in check. And number two is making sure everyone is loyal to the CCP and knows the CCP is in charge and has to follow the CCP or whatever. That seems to be like number one and two and distant number three is the economy and the health of it. That's what it seems like. But hopefully the Chinese economy becomes a priority and you know the zero COVID policy there that's continuing signals to me that the Chinese economy is not the priority there still. They're just trying to get everyone loyal to the CCP. I don't know. It's almost like a litmus test to see who's loyal, who's not, and make sure the population follows orders no matter what or something. I, I, that's my theory. So then if you, they invade Taiwan or try to do something risky with Taiwan, then there's that geopolitical risk. But on the flip side, I think Elon is seen in a good light by the Chinese government. I think he adds a lot of value to the Chinese economy and they realize that with technology, manufacturing prowess and all that. And remember he sent that tweet out, which everyone says was controversial about like maybe Taiwan should be an administrative state, you know, similar to Hong Kong or whatever. There's so many, just like it, it was triggering with the Ukraine thing. It triggered so many people here in the West. Like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. We, Taiwan should be free or whatever, but he's just speaking his mind. He's not like, trying to be political, like you said, mm -hmm. but I think he didn't intend to try to get brownie points, but I think my suspicion is he probably got a lot of brownie points from the Chinese government with that, you know, that tweet. And, uh, you know, that, that there was even a Chinese ambassador who like praised Elon like, the next day on Twitter, you know, for it, like, or something, but I'm not sure that, I don't think that was his intention, but I think he just gets a lot of brownie points with the Chinese government, I think in a lot of ways. So, Hopefully, Twitter, if Twitter starts talking bad about China or, and, you know, or Starlink, you know, they don't see it as a threat to getting past the great firewall of China or whatever. Hopefully, those two things don't happen, then he'll still continue to stay in a good light with the Chinese government. And, and that risk is not as big as, as I think. I don't know, that's a long answer, but those are the two, yeah. two risks I see with China. What, what do you think? What do you, do you think China is yeah. a big risk? and those two things or yeah i mean i do have i mean some concerns about the china economy um 
yeah, I mean, it could get rough there. Um, and yeah, but again, it's Tesla just needs to, you know, they could sell the, all the vehicles, give some incentives, a little I mean, they just lowered the price, but they can also ship the vehicles to other, you know, regions or other countries around there as well. So, I mean, I'm not too concerned um, longer term, you know, for China um, or that region. Um, one issue I think that over the next six to 12 months is, um, is the issue of price cuts. And um, like you had a round in, in, in China um, yeah. probably bigger than most people thought um, would happen. But you could see that possibly, you know, um, in different regions. And you could possibly see, see the big question mark is how will price impact margins going forward? So First you've got, it's, it's tricky because in the U.S. you've got the federal tax credit kicking in January 1st. And yeah. if Tesla can be eligible for most of that, right, um, $7,500 for the consumer at least, that is a huge uh, demand boost. And so maybe they don't have to lower prices that much, if at all, in the U.S. But then how about Europe? How about other places in Asia, et cetera? Mm -hmm. um, if they do have to lower prices, if, there, if there's a recession too that gets kind of serious, then you're looking at the possibility of it hitting, impacting gross margins. Um, yeah. And then hitting some operating margins. But you could see like the investor sentiment getting impacted because of that. Just like mm -hmm. as margins increase, investors get enthusiastic, exuberant over the company yeah. and the multiples they give. If you see margins shrinking, like, Wall Street is so just like six to 12 months out, you know, it's like they see the margins decreasing. It's like they project that for whatever. Mm -hmm. They're not looking out to the next generation platform to, you know, two, three, four, five years out. And so yeah. that's actually a serious problem for, you know, um, I think uh, investor sentiment if that happens. I think that's probably one of the biggest risks combined with the macro risk right yeah with overall what's what's happening especially if there's a recession and the market's hitting and that further. the price cuts you know i think that's a risk for sure but if the price cuts happen and it's timed with fsd uptake increasing significantly it could cancel more than cancel it yeah. out but that you know that's one possibility but that's not a guarantee by any means when the fsd uptake goes up significantly yeah definitely yeah um yeah, I mean, on the other side, you have the catalyst of just like Tesla pushing forward with, you know, let's say, an FSD beta wide release in North America, and then next year just it improving significantly, getting closer yeah. and closer to an eventual robotaxi rollout. But in the meantime, you you should get increased take rate at least in the U.S. for FSD. Um, yeah. Depends if they raise the price or not, who knows, but at least, you know, as it gets better, there's a more demand for it. So, um, yeah, that's another revenue stream too, you know, I mean, yeah. 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 So yeah, those are risks for sure. And, uh, yeah, the next six to 12 months with the macro market, you know, there's just so many moving parts and it's hard to figure out where Tesla, the stock price would go. It's like, People are always asking me on Twitter or wherever, or always asking me, are you buying Tesla Leaps yet? What Leaps are you buying? <laughs> and I don't answer because it's like, you know, my personal account, I'm not really doing that. You know, like, I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> just holding the stock right now. I just, it's kind of in a weird situation with the economy, with the economy and the macro markets and like these, these risks we're talking about, you know, it's Tesla, you know, a trillion dollar company warrants, you know, trillion dollar valuation you know, as long as until FSD is like a known thing, you know, you have to see the execution on everything else to get to get warrant, you know, multi trillion dollar valuations, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, fun talking. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and um, I'm gonna that video I, I mentioned about the labor shortage and the causes. I'm gonna go ahead and um, send that to you. I think that was interesting video, but I'll go ahead and link it in the video description as well. So people can watch it. Maybe it'll be a good talking point. If people have insight on it. Um, yeah, I would love to hear, you know, at tweet me or something, um, your yeah. comments or your ideas about the labor shortage. What are the 
the main factors. Um, yeah, what I'm curious, what do people think? Are, is the Fed seeing things correctly? Are they missing, misreading the situation? What are the risks ahead? Um, yeah, fun stuff or interesting stuff. Yeah, I think we put out a poll. Most people following us in our Twitterverse would say, yeah, of course they're overreacting because they all own like Tesla and growth tech stocks are seeing it. Hey, you don't, you know, but I'm yeah. curious what kind of, how we can get the poll out to like, I wonder if there's going to be a way to get the poll out to like the general Twitter a randomized Twitter audience or something like that. Maybe someday. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. All right, Emmett. Um, take care. Um, we'll talk again. I'll go ahead right. and um, yeah, link to your Twitter profile and all that. And um, yeah, cool. um, have a great week. All right. Thanks, Dave. All right. I'll see you.